Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. everyone to RB1 Colon and Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by Fake Teams. I am your humble host, Pete Rogers, as always, being joined uh by Just Clark Barnes and Mr. Class Jordan Smith. Guys, how are you today? Doing great, Pete. Excellent, as always. Jordan, I am rivaling you tonight with a uh, with an awesome headboard slash recording in my bed. Um, well, I, I shouldn't even say rivaling your headboard because my headboard pales in comparison to yours. But um, I wanted that to be known since our listeners are, as the title would suggest, listening as opposed to seeing. So they can't see my uh, film location. But I've been ostracized to the bedroom tonight uh, so that Becca, my fiance, may finish her studying. That's right. We got the headboards. We've got the Dirk Nowitzki uh, microphone uh, handling over here, and it's it's just a comfortable setting to be in. I feel it's like just, it's casual. And we talked about this before we started recording. But the one drawback that I'm already currently experiencing is a hot laptop on your lap, and I currently have a a, a towel there to kind of protect myself because I've also heard word to the wise, boys, um, laptop on your crotch. Uh, lowers that lowers those baby makers lowers the baby making count so uh keep that laptop a little a little a little off the uh the baby producer that's what i've heard so <laughs> i keep that in mind when i put my laptop on my lap so there you go a helpful health tip to start off the rb1 podcast you're welcome everyone pod md pod md <laughs> um we have a big show for you guys oh my gosh you lovely listeners uh we're gonna start obviously with some nfl news um including a longtime member of the chargers being released what up that's called a tease uh we'll recap our nfl draft beer bets and then listeners we did it we brought in the big one uh we're gonna be joined in the second half by the man the myth the legend you might know him as mocking the draft but dan sb nation's dan kadar um, we'll be joining us to talk best rookie landing spots. So a lot on the docket, um, not only just health tips, but also fantasy football tips, because that's what we're here for. Uh, so let us start then with some NFL news. Since I teased it, let's start off with the Chargers news. Um, Antonio Gates is sadly leaving L.A. forever. Uh, the Chargers have informed the tight end that he, they will not be bringing him back. Uh, and it's Hunter Henry time in L.A. for all of those who he's been, since he was drafted, been highly productive for the Chargers. And and one of the, I would go as far to say, top, what, five tight ends in the league, as certainly in fantasy-wise, uh, when he's given the chance and is healthy. Um, but my question to you, we'll start with you, Clark. Is this it for Antonio Gates? Is he done? Is this the end of, of the one of the most productive and best tight ends in the last decade two decades 
I think the best we're going to see out of Antonio Gates is the occasional spot start. I think he's still big enough to go to a team and force his way into getting forced a couple of passes in the red zone. Uh, but I'm a, I hate to see Antonio Gates go. He had a fantastic career, uh, but I've been overdrafting Hunter Henry for a couple of years now waiting for this. And so all of those best ball leagues where I've just continued to overdraft Hunter Henry, this is fantastic news for me. This is, I saw you pumping your fist when I was talking about this. This is, this is big time news for all those hunty Hunter Henry truthers. Um, Jordan, do you see, do you see any more future in Antonio Gates or is, or is the end here? Honestly, he is a Hall of Famer no matter what. I don't think he has anything left to prove. Um, I I brought this up on the podcast before. I believe that the NFL lifespan for a a tight end, generally they start to fall off a cliff after year seven, and he has about doubled (laughs) that lifespan. He's had two tight end NFL careers, basically. Um, He doesn't have to go anywhere, but he can still be a – big body like box people out in the end zone and go and grab the football type of ten tight end if somebody wants to take a flyer or if you know he wants to go and chase a ring somewhere somewhere in new england um but yeah we can say for certain at least that i that antonio gates has fallen out of fantasy contention um but at that expense, Hunter Henry has quickly ascended the ladders. I'm a big Hunter Henry fan. Uh, I have loved everything that he's produced for LA and San Diego because he's done it for both. Uh, and I had him his rookie year. I had him as a tight end in my fantasy league. So that's already kind of uh, colored my lenses that I see through him in a very favorable manner. So I'm fully aboard the Hunter Henry train. And I'm glad much like how we were all celebrated when, uh, when DeMarco Murray was kicked out of Tennessee and we were like, it's Derek Henry time. It's finally now uh, Hunter Henry time in LA. So celebrate everyone. Yeah, mean, Hunter and, Henry might be a better player. Yeah. And, and make sure you celebrate respectfully because again, Antonio Gates gave us a lot of great years at a tight end position that at times was very light, uh, super interesting to watch play, super fun to watch play with, uh, Philip Rivers, uh, my, my favorite times were trying to figure out, would this be the Danny Woodhead touchdown or would this be the Antonio Gates touchdown as the poor full-sized running back and wide receivers just didn't get any action in the end zone. So, ah, hate to see you go, Antonio, but love to see Hunter Henry. Love to see what he can do with a full workload. Pour some out for Antonio Gates and his Hall of Fame career. Almost said Antonio Brown there. <laughs> Moving on, uh, Jordan. You and your fellow Denverers, Denverites, Denver Stodians. Um, no idea, to Denver, be honest. <laughs> Denverians. Uh, all of you who are worried about Pax and Lynch, you guys can worry no longer. For John Elway had this to say uh, regarding their first round quarterback. Uh, We're not kicking him to the curb. He can still develop. When we drafted him two years ago, as I said, I knew it was going to take some time. Uh, so, Jordan, we'll start with you as the local resident. On a scale from one to zero, how much do you believe this? I believe it absolutely zero because Paxton Lynch is not a NFL quarterback. Um, I want to preface this by saying, too, that I'm not a true Denverite and that Coloradans have a weird like nativist attitude about people from out of state, which I am. So I don't want to be associated with their uh, NFL football team. First and foremost, let the record show. This is just a saving face play by John Elway because he 
hasn't been very good at drafting. I mean, he waited on Paxton Lynch. I remember, Remember during the draft, I was watching over the weekend, there was a portion where they um, went back to Paxton Lynch's draft and they were talking about teams like moving up to go get him to make him the quarterback, like the Cowboys. And um, I believe the Broncos were also one of the teams thinking about moving up in order to get Paxton Lynch. But he's just another example of overextending and just reaching for somebody that was probably just never going to pan out anyway. Yeah, so so I'm believing it in kind of the no shit category because first round draft picks contacts are guaranteed. His contract hit this year is 1.3 million, whether they cut him or not. So what do you? You don't save anything by cut him cutting him. You only make yourself look stupid, and you love giant gawky quarterbacks. If you're the Broncos, now we've got Osweiler and Lynch making up one of the tallest backup quarterback slots in the Yeah, league. that's the thing too is it's like Paxton Lynch is probably not going to see unless Case Keenum comes in and thoroughly shits the bed, like why would we expect to see any Paxton Lynch? Why you, why are you talking about Paxton Lynch, John, uh John Elway? Why? Why are you doing this to yourself? Don't you don't need to keep bringing him up. Let the pick be forgotten forever. Just, you know, Captain Morgan can just go off into the sunset. He's a great Captain Morgan. Standard. He is. He is, and I feel like that's what he should just do. He should just accept his fate, uh, retire for, as an NFL player, and become the official spokesman for Captain Morgan. Because that's, I think that's what he's destined for. That's a much better job for him uh, than being a quarter uh, a quarterback in the NFL. Let's be honest. Final news bulletin. Um, reports came out that the Patriots were entertaining the notion of trading up to the number two pick in order to draft Baker Mayfield. Um, my super flaming hot take on this as a Patriots fan. Cool. That's all I got. Don't believe it. <laughs> Don't think uh, this is true. I think the Patriots had the Patriots had Baker Mayfield in for meetings and stuff because they knew that he was going to go to the AFC uh, because he basically was tied to the Browns and or the Jets. Both are in the AFC. They're going to play them. If it was the Jets, they would have played them twice a year. So I think they want to do their due diligence on him to see how he would be as an opponent. Uh, I don't think that the, there's no way in my mind that Belichick trades basically what would have to be like what both first rounds and both second rounds to move up that far. There's no way Belichick does that for a quarterback when you got Thomas Brady back there. So, yeah, I believe in the Patriots either doing their due diligence against a future opponent or this was a story planted by the Cleveland Browns to make it seem like their number one overall pick was just the absolute right move. Because that's the first thing you think about is like, oh, if the Patriots, yeah, if Bill Belichick wanted to coach this guy, he must have been all right. It's like Bill. It's like Bill Polian being like Tom Brady was our number two quarterback. It's like no, he wasn't Bill Polian. Like if you th- if you were, he was your number two quarterback, you would have drafted him. Don't tell me that you would just let the number two quarterback on your board slip all the way to the sixth round. I feel like this story is just someone's service to the football and fantasy industry. This is just getting us warmed up for this dead period that we're about to have totally. after the draft. Like. This is the kind of story we're going to be digesting for the next two months. Like someone said they might have considered that once question mark. Clark, this is this is your favorite kind of article. It's the question mark article. There's nothing that you love more in all of sports journalism than the question mark article. Yeah, we need something to hold us over until somebody's on a just unhappy with their contract. So 
which is coming. That's that's the oh, next absolutely. step in the NFL offseason is we need to have Julio Jones be like, all right, Falcons, I'm done. Peace. And then everyone's like, what are the Falcons going to do? The Falcons are like, we planned for this. That's why we got Calvin Ridley back there. What up? Julio Jones is getting traded. Yeah. You heard it here first. Excellent. Well, there you go. There's your news around the NFL. Again, like like we've all alluded to, not much has happened after the NFL draft. That's kind of that's kind of the headline. And so we're going to have to fabricate some stories from here on out. So that in and of itself is a bit of a story. I'm very interested to see where Des Bryant and CJ Anderson end up. And there's no reason for them to go somewhere now because nothing's going to happen. No. All you're going to do with Des is get him on your team and then find out that he went to Argentina and tried to come back with some illegal Kiwi seeds and some kind of weird monkey that you've never heard of to join a hands with his other monkey. Like there's no reason to get either of these guys, but that's a story, right? Those are two that's pretty good players that don't have teams right now. And that's a, that's going to be a story that's going to, quickly rise up the uh the charts once an injury happens once you have a camp injury then it's going to be like well des is out there or cj anderson that being said when des comes back with his new monkey and his kiwi seeds that's gonna be a huge story i mean that's gonna rival odell beckham on the boat u.s department of agriculture is not gonna be pleased with des can't bring those kiwi seeds back into america come on des you know that there is the NFL news for you. Um, before we go on to our main event, the best landing spots for these rookies that just got drafted. Um, since the draft did happen, let's do a little beer cap. A beer cap? The fudge am I talking about? A beer bet recap. There we go. Um, so, if you didn't listen to that podcast, <clears throat> what are you doing with your life? Um, let's redo it right now. Before the guest. <laughs> <laughs> um we, I compiled all of this into a Google Doc, so you're welcome, everyone. It was so easy now to keep track of all this because I just typed it right into the doc, and we got it. So let's go right from the top. Um, the first thing we did, we all took bets on where Saquon Barkley would end up. All of us were wrong. Uh, Clark thought the Colts, Jordan thought the Browns, and I thought the Bucks, which is sad on all of our parts since the Giants was the team that everyone was tying him to, and we should have at least one of us should have just been like, you know what, screw it, let's uh, let's go with what all the mocks are mocking. But alas, no beers are owed there because we were all wrong. Um, my first bet was no team would trade up for Josh Allen, which Clark and Jordan stupidly agreed with me because <laughs> the Bills are of course stupid enough to trade up for Josh Allen. When I saw the Bills trade up, I knew yeah. I'd lost. You're like, son of a bitch. That they are not picking Lamar Jackson. Nope. Hey, there's, their second pick in the first round is better than their Oh, my God. That, uh, pick, I, was, so. yeah, I was all excited when Tremaine Edmonds was falling down the draft. And I was like, ooh, are the Patriots going to do what I predicted in our, in our NFL mock draft? But then, alas, the Bills were the one who did it. But, um, yeah, needless to say, anyone who has not listened to this podcast knows that none of us are very uh, sold on Josh Allen and his um, elite arm talent. So have fun with that one, Buffalo. Uh, Clark's first bet, three running backs will be taken in the first round. Clark nailed it. Jordan and I, at least I should speak for myself. I shouldn't speak for Jordan. I was scoffing at you all the way to the bank. I was like, yep, free beers for me. Uh, that's a, that's a hell of a prediction there from Clark. Well done, sir. As dad used to say, even a blind hog roots up an acorn every once in a while. Well-deserved beers on your part. I was uh, surprised by that. And I was also surprised at the fact that the second running back wasn't Darius Geis that went. 
he didn't I, go until pick 59. I know. I agree. And and he he is someone who I think is going to uh, do very well in that Washington role. Uh, I think this he found a pretty good landing spot. It's absurd. It's pretty crazy. Wow. So I wasn't as big a fan of Geis as the community, meaning the community seemed to have him second, and I thought that he was third. What a snow job. On a guy who's never gotten in trouble on draft day, all of these unsubstantiated things about character problems. Oh, yeah. That was, I mean, it. how, I don't understand how these people don't get sued. I don't either. Like, how's that not liable to float these, this rumor and speculation that's based on nothing with it depresses your value as an earner for the next four years by literally millions of dollars. It's people were defamation. It totally, people were talking about this too with, I mean, ultimately it didn't really affect Josh Allen because I don't think the Browns were ever going to take him. And so basically Josh Allen's white Pete. So (laughs) sure. Uh, But like all of his, there's that whole Twitter scandal, which again, okay. PSA to all of you athletes out there who are in college and you're hoping one day to play in the professional league, please scrub your Twitter accounts, go through your Twitter accounts, search for when you are a stupid 15 year old and you're tweeting out dumb shit, delete that. Because when you are on the brink of a a draft, be it the NFL, NBA, uh, NHL, whatever it is, MLB, that stuff will be found and will be pushed to the surface. Don't risk your like Clark was saying. Don't don't risk your uh, your income for the next four years or however long it works in other sports. Uh, do the right thing. Scrub your Twitter profile. Pretty easy to do. Um, moving on, Clark nailed it with the number of running backs going. Jordan, on the other hand, was off on the number of quarterbacks going. Jordan had predicted that there would be six. Both Clark and I took him up on that. So sadly, that is beers. Well, not sadly. I love it that it's beers for us. Um, no, Mason Rudolph did not sneak his way uh, into the into the first round. Um, I, my second beer bet, nailed it 100%. Eagles will trade out of the first round to specifically get a second round pick, which they did. And then they used that to move up in front of Dallas in the second round to, de- to draft a tight end right after Jason Witten at- retired, which is just <laughs> grade A level trolling by the Eagles. I love it. So that's a beer for me. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Uh, Clark has thought that the Browns were going to pick three times in the first and add a first for next year. Uh, I don't think they did any of that. They didn't even trade out of either the first or thir- fourth, which I think uh, Clark assumed that they were going to trade out of that fourth pick, if I'm not mistaken. That was the plan, Pete. But <laughs> once things started going, did not turn out how we thought it would over here in the barn scan. <laughs> did not. You know who added a first for next year's draft? Mm. That's right, Green Bay Packers. Off of a rather absurd trade by the uh, the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are still feeling themselves from last year's draft, and they were like, oh, we can totally nail this again with Marcus Davenport. I'm sure he'll be great. Like He's a raw pass rusher who's got the tools and, and can develop into an elite pass rusher, but trading a first-round pick next year to move up to get him seems... Mm, a bit much if you ask me so not so That's, sure about that it's such a it is a reach and it's a win now move totally you, you nailed it too with your description the general consensus is that marcus davenport is a raw prospect so i don't get how that helps them now or maybe even next year it might take him three years to finally develop i mean it took 
Clowney that long. Nick Perry in Green Bay took him three years to finally get going. It took Iggy Onsa that long, and that's who they were. A lot of people were comparing him to yeah. in Detroit. Yeah, it's um, rough for a defensive end. It's even more rough for somebody who's literally just described as raw by everybody who evaluates him. Yeah, and looking at it from a different angle, not even talking about the player, the price they paid was just consensus too high because what, did, what ended up happening with the Packers? What did they give up, like a fifth and three spots to get a first next year? How well, did that they, break out? They moved back. I believe they gave up a fourth, which they had. I mean, they four through seven, they've had like 12 of those picks in this draft. Um but they moved back to like 27 and then they were able to package something to move back up to 18. So really they moved back four spots total and got a first round pick next year. Yeah. Crafty. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, um, Hey Clark, Clark, uh, uh, what, who's, who's the GM? Who's the GM for the Packers? Great accounts. There it is. There it is. Uh, um, you're welcome. Everyone. You can use that. Uh, if he wins the Super Bowl, we're going to change his name to Go to Kunst. There, there you go. Hey, got to leave is, him somewhere to go. You know. Yep. Exactly. This is, a, this is an important <laughs> thing when you're when you're since we started off the podcast talking about children and how to produce children. When you're naming a child, you should think about. Um, I know it's his last name, but you should think about how well it plays into uh, positive manipulation. I guess I should say. How how well does the word goat fit into it? How well does the word great fit into it? All of those gotta, things. It's important gotta, to consider. Got to think about the nickname factor, both positive and negative. Exactly. It's important to take into consideration. Uh, all right. So let's see. Uh, Jordan's second beer bet was four Alabama players will be drafted, which they all were. And Clark took him up on that. So that's beers for Jordan. My third beer bet. This one's really upsetting, you guys, because I had said not only would the Patriots draft a quarterback in the first round, but I called my shot and I said they'd draft Lamar Jackson. And they had two chances to draft Lamar Jackson. Two chances. They had him at both 23 and at 31. I thought for sure at 31 they were going to take Lamar Jackson. Uh, They went with Sony Michelle instead, which then completed Clark's three running back bet. It was a tough one. It's a tough thing to pass. Um to pass on Lamar Jackson. And I think he's going to make the Patriots ultimately regret it. But, but alas, uh, my Patriots could not do the right thing. So that is beers for both Clark and Jordan from yours. Truly uh, Clark's final beer bet was that the giants would draft Josh Rosen at number two overall. They did not do what Clark thought and they not actually do kind of the general smart thing. I know Saquon Barkley was the best player in the draft and clearly is the guy you should pick when you have the opportunity to get him. But you would think that with uh, with a pick that high, you could get yourself a, a quarterback for the future and do a seamless transition from Eli to Josh. But alas, that did not happen. Um, I was the only one who took him off on that, so that's beers for me. And finally, Jordan said that Calvin Ridley would be the first wide receiver off the board, which he was wrong. I was right. DJ Moore went first to the Carolina Panthers, uh, though I do love Calvin Ridley to the Falcons. So that is another beer for me. Uh um, so total, I come out in the lead after the NFL draft with five beers owed to me. Clark has four and Jordan has three. So there's your standings after the NFL draft, uh, a beer bets. So good job. The Josh Rosen saga is really setting up nicely here in chapter one. Uh, 
guy seems like he says things that quarterbacks have said for the past 10 years that they get great credit for being so competitive for. He says them. It's a knock on his integrity. I think he was the best quarterback prospect in this draft outside of like, I guess the ceiling of ceilings. Lamar Jackson is Mike Vick who keeps his nose clean and plays for 15 years as one of the most electric players we've ever seen. Other than that, other than that possibility, Josh Rosen looks like he's absolutely the best quarterback available. The Cardinals in our mock draft didn't take any phone calls and couldn't have been happier to get uh, Josh Allen at number 15. They do even better in this one, moving up to 10 for not too much to get a third round pick the hands down best prospect here. So what are you doing? Oakland at least milk them for something more than a third round pick. And you know what? I don't even think the way I remember it laying out is I don't think the Cardinals would have even had to have moved up because there are several teams ahead of them that just did not need a quarterback or were thinking about drafting a quarterback, including, of course, the Niners, um, the Dolphins. I think they were probably thinking defense the whole way. The Buccaneers. It's just it it was a, a weird thing for the Cardinals to even do. But I think they were worried about the Dolphins. I think they were worried. Yeah, I think they were worried about the Dolphins. But I had. I love it. Ben. I love that. Fa- I love that spot for both Josh Rosen because I think he will do very well learning there uh, and developing there. I love it for the Cardinals because you be your quarterback for the future. And like Clark was saying, he could easily turn out to be the best quarterback prospect from this draft. I also love it because I think Josh Rosen is a guy. All the comparisons going into this draft were him and Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers took that chip from being drafted 12th instead of first overall that he felt and has now turned into one of the greatest quarterbacks probably ever. And so I could see Josh Rosen. I don't think he's going to do the same physically or statistically, but he can use that. I see him as being able to use that chip on his shoulder and he's going to uh, be all right. He's already he's already calling out teams and he's going to be using that to uh, to motivate himself for the rest of his career. Yeah, and the Cardinals could accidentally be in a great position here because as as high as I am on Josh Rosen, a healthy Sam Bradford right now is better. So I think that he has a good chance to sit behind the million or the the $20 million question with Sam Bradford is always when he's healthy, he's very good. So if he plays well and is healthy, it's not going to be hard for the Cardinals to keep Josh Rosen on the bench. And I just think we get way too excited with these young prospects that even though Rosen is my favorite one, I think any college quarterback coming into the NFL will be incredibly well served by spending a year on the bench, playing on the practice squad, maybe getting in there game 16, 17, a la Pat Mahomes last year. But the Cardinals could have lucked into a great spot here. The Cardinals might have just solved their future for the foreseeable future. Plus, he's got great tools to develop. He's throwing to the sure-handed Larry Fitzgerald, um, the great pass-catching back David Johnson. They went and... um, got Rosen a new toy for the future too. And Christian Kirk, who's just going to be a, a slot safety blanket for him. He's, he's sitting really nice. I, I like the pick there at 10 too. And this is a beautiful transition because we just spent a good chunk of time talking about how much we love the Josh Rosen landing spot. So let's get into our main event for the day. 
we are going to talk best rookie landing spots, both real football and fantasy, because as Clark likes to remind us, we are a fantasy football podcast. It would only make sense to occasionally uh, discuss the realm of fantasy football. But before we start, we'd like to welcome on Dan Kadar, maybe better known as Mocking the Draft on the Twitter sphere, um, though I guess your name is also on the Twitter sphere. So uh, anyways, Dan, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing well. We are very, very happy to have you on the podcast. This is quite an exciting moment for us um, because we don't have a lot of of people of note on the show. It's just the three of us kind of bumbling around. And so to have it's hard for us to get people to come to our house. Yeah, basically, (laughs) you know, we have to really ask, have our parents ask your parents. And I'm glad the play day worked out. Well, I, I need a midnight snack. So just make sure that gets done. Perfect. That's it's already on our way. We'll send our intern to to take care of that for you. Before we get into rookie landing spots, though, I have to ask, since you are the the master of mock drafts for SB Nation, um, in your least humble opinion, uh, did the Browns f this whole draft up? It depends on whether you not you like Baker Mayfield, I guess, and I like Baker Mayfield. So if you start there, I would say no. But then there are some questionable stuff in there, like the Antonio Callaway thing in the fourth round. That one was kind of strange. And j- just from the standpoint of he's a guy who's been hit with drug stuff and you're putting him in a receiver room with Josh Gordon, that's kind of dangerous. Kind of iffy. Yeah. And then the Austin Corbett pick in the second round, if he's not a left tackle, it's kind of a wasted pick because they have Joel Batonio there and they have Kevin Zeitler there. So if he's not a left tackle, there are some questions about that pick. I think the biggest the biggest worry because I know leading into the draft sec- section, I was saying on every sphere that I could that Sam Darnold or bust, and then they didn't go Sam Darnold, so I needed to kind of confirm in myself that uh, the Browns didn't Browns this up. Well, it's the Browns, so they'll find a way. <laughs> this will probably somehow come back and bite them in the butt. Um, so let's get into uh, best rookie landing spot. Clark, why don't you start us off? Give us your first rookie landing spot that you were uh, very happy with. So I was really excited about the running backs coming into this draft season and then extremely disappointed where a lot of folks ended up. So I'm going to start us off with a wide receiver. I think this is the first time that we see fit matching talent and we see a guy that we might want to actually consider starting a few games this year. And that's DJ Moore first rounder to the Panthers. Love that pick. I was all, uh, all aboard the DJ Moore train. Um, and I think that I wrote up about him before the draft and, and talking, I had him, my two landing spots were him. We talked about this in our mock, either Dallas or, uh, or Carolina love the fit in Carolina. And I think that I have, talked myself into never touching a wide rec- a rookie wide receiver in fantasy but dj moore could be someone who i could uh talk myself into i just love getting cam newton more players that can actually catch an nfl football like that's <laughs> it's always a plus that's a real winner in this scenario because last <laughs> year they were struggling to find pass catchers outside of christian mccaffrey and when greg olson went down with an injury it felt like the whole offense came undone i i agree and the thing about the panthers is that they need a vertical guy. They just haven't had that. And Devin Funches, I don't know. He to me, he's still a hybrid tight end kind of receiver. So it's it. I think it's good to give Cam Newton a legit receiver. And on the little list I wrote down for guys we could talk about tonight, DJ Moore was the first one that came to mind. So I think that's a great 
great Clark, pension. Clark already with a win. All right. I got a new friend. Hey guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you and We've talked about Devin Funches on this podcast where he is someone who sometimes looks amazing and can put together great stretches. It's not even great games. It's like great stretches in games where he makes like three good catches and you're like, oh, Devin Funches is here. And then he just completely disappears and disappoints you for the rest of the season. So I, I totally agree with you that it's good to like get the Panthers a number one receiver, someone who can actually do receiving and then let all the other pieces fall as they may. Yeah, and even though I am excited, I'm excited about this person's potential as a rookie. I heard, I've heard several other people say this, and I agree. He's probably the third receiving option, even though he's probably immediately the best wide receiver. So he's worth a he's worth a pick in your standard fantasy drafts. But let's not let the hype build too much to where you end up taking DJ Moore in like the third round because you think he's the only good there because you know it's happening. Uh, Dan, let's hear your first, uh, rookie landing spot. Well, I actually went a little deep on mine here. I'm going with Naheem Hines, who is a fourth round pick by the Colts. I I say this one because the Colts right now, their lead runner is Marlon Mack, who had labrum surgery this off season. And that, that just came out this week. So not even just like. If you just said Marlon Mack was the only guy in his way from getting a large share of carries, I would say Naheem Hines is going to be a good fantasy player. But throw in the, the torn labrum, throw in Hines' ability as a pass catcher, and throw in the fact that Chris Ballard, I think, the GM in, in Indianapolis, said he wants to use him as a as a wide receiver and running back. I think he's a real intriguing player. He's not that big, but he's super quick. I think he's a guy who's going to produce this year. Yeah, I'm with you. And he's one of the guys that I had that was really interesting. Uh, And you've kind of mentioned it, the opportunity that is there and the running back position in fantasy football has a lot to do with how many touches is this person going to get? There's no one much in touch of him. Marlon Mack is a a fine. He's fine, but he's not great. (laughs) And, and if he's, uh, and if he's coming back from injury, uh, Hines has a chance to get a whole lot of touches in an offense that I think Andrew Luck is going to come back to and will be explosive again. And Jordan, I know that you mentioned a couple of guys that you were also excited about the Colts picking up that'll add a little seasoning. Oh, look at this transition. (laughs) We're just going from player to player to seamless transition. Jordan, who's your rookie landing spot that you are stoked on in the Colts? Um, well, I just want to add to that. I think Naeem no, Jordan, Hines you can't right add on to it. This is I'm your sorry. the transition I'm now. Sorry. Damn it! I'll get back into it. I think he could be like a Tariq Cohen type of weapon for the Colts offense because he's a little bit smaller, but he's quick. Um, so for those who may be listening to this and have never played fantasy football but are going to because of this podcast because they love our <laughs> material, or for those who are fairly out of the loop as far as you know you just join fantasy football to play because your friends play basically um this guy is not going to directly help you on your fantasy team you cannot draft him in fantasy football okay (laughs) but it is quentin nelson to the indianapolis colts Mm -hmm. he is the best offensive lineman in the draft um what I think this does best and that the Colts again, double down on um, offensive line picks in the second round too, uh, by drafting another guard, but they're going to try to 
actually functionally keep Andrew Luck standing upright. They're trying to keep him healthy. This will in turn help players like Naheem Hines, uh, like Marlon Mack, like T.Y. Hilton. Um, and the Colts offense needs all the help they can get. And it starts right down there in the trenches. Um, so if you're looking towards, you know, Andrew Luck or T.Y. Hilton at some point during your fantasy draft, I know I'm not going to be as scared to pick some of these players because I know they will likely have some better protection around their star quarterback. Yeah. Quentin Nelson pick was, was just hands down the right pick. It was perfect move by the Colts. And you, you add a, add a guard to a offensive line that struggled forever. And not only have you added the best guard in this draft, but you've added a guard prospect who many believe is basically you plug and play guy for the next 15 years and could be a hall of famer. So no questions asked. You take that. Yeah, and I think hands down the best nickname in the draft, Earl Grey. And I'll just let you all Google why (laughs) he's earned that moniker. Boys, I'll tell you what, something about Quentin Nelson. I go to the Combine every single year for SB Nation. And I'm a very large person. And I stood right next to Quentin Nelson during his uh, press conference time. Just the way he talks and the, the, the way he presents himself, he scared me a little bit. Like that's a dude on the offensive line that I love. And I've never seen a highlight real guard like that before, where he just basically he choke slams players and he loves doing it consistently. So I, I, I love them. I love that guy. And I have to grade the draft every year. It's a thankless thing mostly, but that was one of my a plus picks in the first round, Quentin Nelson. So I like that call a lot for the, Andrew Luck health reasons alone. Yeah. Putting that into your offense and an offense that a team too, in general, that seems to just lack oomph. Uh, you now suddenly have like added someone in that offensive line who's just going to just tear people apart. And that's, and that's what you need. And that's what you need when you're going up against, I mean, you're facing the Jaguars and the Texans and the Titans twice a year. Those are all three of those guys have, real dominant front sevens and front fours in particular. And you're going to need someone like Quentin Nelson in the, in your offensive line, who's just going to go up against, you know, uh, whomever you got Jarrell Casey and, and, and Jadavian Clowney and JJ and just put choke slam them to the ground. His tape is so much fun to watch. I recommend everybody go Which watch. Which is such a crazy thing to say for the guard. Yeah. It's fun. Um, all right. So my first rookie landing spot, since we can't just spend the entire podcast talking about how amazing Quentin Nelson is, though, let's be honest. It's what it's what the people want. Uh, <laughs> I dug down a little deep too. picked a running back in Denver, Royce Freeman, uh, who I wanted to steer away from some of the bigger names uh, just because, you know, hey, I want to help you find a sleeper. I want to help you, the people. Um, so let's start off with Freeman just being the leading rusher in Oregon's history. So boy can produce. We know that. Um, And my favorite thing about him is that he's coming into Denver. He's a big runner with great vision who can take away the starting gig from. There's no one there. Yeah. Devontae Booker. They got rid of CJ Anderson. Devontae Booker. It's basically a free shot. Clark was talking about this. uh, And with running backs, it's just how many touches they're going to get in in terms of fantasy relevance and fit. The Broncos have needed uh, a running back in a running game for some time. And I see it in Elway's eyes. Uh, He's going to Denver's going to go to that ground and pound and play defense. um, And there aren't any running backs in the way of Freeman to challenge him. So I think he's going to come in and training camp going to quickly take that starting gig and run with it. So 
he's a good player. The the thing with him is he's kind of a one note guy where he's he's not super fast, but he's he's kind of power to the edge. So uh, I'll be interested to see how he fits. The thing with Freeman, if you guys remember a few years ago in college football at Oregon, everybody said, hey, if this guy could come out right now, he could potentially be a first round pick. So to see him kind of slide in the draft, and he slid for various reasons, but to see him slide to where he did, that's a great value pick for the Broncos, even if he just becomes a half-and-half split carry guy with with Booker. And who knows about Booker because I think he was hurt most of last year. So I, I think that's a good choice again. To, to borrow a little phrasing from Clark, the Broncos in the first round, they just got better at a position they're already really great at. Um, by adding Bradley Chubb, but then they decided to get some weapons, baby, adding Cortland Sutton, followed by Royce Freeman. Um, I think with, with those additions, I can help take some of the pressure off of Royce Freeman. One of the things I saw about him coming out, and this might affect some Dynasty League players, is that Royce Freeman had quite a heavy workload at Oregon over the past couple of years. Yeah, and you mentioned Devontae Booker, who has flashed and looked good but he's also never been able to stay healthy so just another little tick box for the rookie coming in uh volume and opportunity is so big for fantasy running backs boom clark give us your your second and last uh rookie best favorite rookie landing spot so I'm going to audible here. I think anytime you have a chance to abuse even the slightest bit of power that you get and of course I'm referring to having the great mocking the draft on our <laughs> podcast. Uh, I'm going to ask a question that's burning for me personally as a fan. Kiki Kute picked in the fourth round by the Texans. Best pick of the draft or greatest pick of any draft? <laughs> well, he's a first team all name guy. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. There's uh, a win there. Yeah. As far as, you know, where he landed in Houston, I think that's a rough spot for him, to be honest with you. Just because they obviously love Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins, and those guys are going to probably eat, you know, 75% of the, the targets in that offense, I think. Braxton Miller's still coming along there. Bruce Ellington is okay. Sammy Coates might get a look, even though if you stunk in Cleveland, what chance do you have on a good team? So, look, he... QT's a good player. Certainly, he's a fun name to say. Um, but the, how many targets he'll get there is is a little suspect for me. Yeah, I'm excited about him uh, for the jersey sales alone. I feel mm-hmm. like there's going to be a lot of cutie pink jerseys sold. And I didn't know that Sammy Coates was on the Texans. So we're all learning something tonight. Our <laughs> number one Texans fan. Killing it. Killing yeah. it with up-to-date roster moves. Do you want to do you do you want to talk about a, a rookie or do you or did you just want to hear a scouting take? <laughs> oh no, I I just wanted to hear you how wonderful it was. Oh, perfect. Yeah. There you go. Success. Uh, Dan, let's hear your uh, second and final rookie favorite favorite rookie landing spot. Well, I'm going to go with Christian. No, I'm going to go with Michael Gallup. Actually, I like Ooh. this one better because Dallas obviously they dumped Des Bryant, which Des Bryant is really screwing up his career here. By the way, but. Um, Michael Gallup is maybe not quite as talented as Des Bryant purely, but he does a lot of things similar. And I, I think he can, he could get a lot of targets there in Dallas. 
assuming they don't just go super run heavy with Ezekiel Elliott. But, you know, I, I don't think Terrence Williams has ever been that great of a player. I think he's always been a solid number two guy. Um, the, other, the other players they have there are just okay. Like Alan Hearns, for instance, he's, he's solid, but nothing amazing. And Gallup, to me, I wouldn't be shocked if by the end of the year he's a he's the number one receiver for the Cowboys at wide receiver. So he's a guy I liked a lot. They they got him in the third round, and you know the Cowboys are interesting. Leading up to the draft, there there was this talk the whole time about them. If if Leighton Van Der Esch was there at nineteen, they would take him, and they did. If um, Gallup was there on the second day, they would take him, and they did. So it's it's real interesting that Dallas's draft was kind of known-ish and kind of it, telegraphed. Yeah, and it happened. Like there's a podcast called Trust the Tape, and it's Dame Brugler from NFL Draft Scout and Jeff Cavanaugh. He's a radio guy down in Dallas. And like the month leading up to the draft, they they were just saying that over and over. If those two guys are there, they're they're the picks. It's funny that and we and you heard just the first name before you went to uh, to Gallup. Uh, but you were about to say something like Christian Kirk, who both yeah. Clark and I are very high on and had on our list. And so I'm. it's interesting that you put Gallup over Kirk. Is that especially, I guess I feel like Dez, and maybe this is just part because of the foot injury with Dez, but it seemed like once Dak took over, he never fully clicked with Dak and, and the Cowboys offense was never able to fully utilize what Dez did so well with Tony. How much do you think that was more playing just to Dez's injury and kind of a change of quarterback more so than the Dallas's offense and, and Dak Prescott an offense with Dak Prescott being better suited to not kind of a down the field stretch, big body receiver who goes wins jump balls. Yeah. To me, it's just that, the fact that he didn't click with Dez okay. and you, you saw so many times on the sidelines for where, where he would just blow up for not getting the ball. And if you're the coaching staff and you have this malcontent player, you're certainly not going to be like, Oh man, he's cursing me out. Let's, let's get him the football. So yeah, he just really shot himself in the foot yeah. with an injured foot. And then <laughs> the, this whole thing about turning down a multi-year deal from Baltimore. So dumb. Idiotic, yeah. So he he's a real weird player. I'll be interested to see where he latches on, and I'm sure it's going to be a one-year contract. Yeah, I always like to give out some business advice for our young fans. <laughs> All the management books out there say that, you know, you should don't be afraid to challenge authority and get out there and be the voice that challenges the normality. Don't do that. Managers hate that. They don't do that. Well, at least don't curse them out. I mean, yes. that's my piece of advice. Don't say the F word to your boss. It's been known to uh, not go over well. Right. Studies have shown. Uh, Jordan, your final rookie landing spot that you are oh so in love with. Um, so if we're, if we're doing finals, I really want to talk about Lamar Jackson, but for the sake of fantasy football, I want to talk about Mike Gesicki, um, going to the Miami Dolphins in the second round, just by virtue of the number of talented tight ends in the league, you more or less have to start looking at rookie tight ends. Um, if you end up deciding to wait on getting a player at that position, um, Granted, Mike Kosicki wasn't the first tight end off the board. That honor went to Hayden Hurst in the first round. But 
Hurst is going to be competing with Mike Andrews because the Ravens doubled down on the tight end position in the draft, and Mike Andrews is no slouch himself. Um, so I'm looking at Gasicki. He's a six foot six, just athletic monster. He was a volleyball player and he is a basketball player that you can find just YMCA highlights of him in a gym throwing down between the legs dunks. Like that's what I like to see out of a, out of a freak tight end. Um, he won't be competing with anybody for a starting tight end spot in Miami. Um, we just lost Antonio Gates from the chargers. We don't know if he's going to sign somewhere else. Jason Witten, it's seemingly a done deal with ESPN for him to go into the booth and leave the football field. We are at a tight end shortage. Um, Gronk and Travis Kelsey by virtue are like the top two and that might be it. Um, so I, I'm, I'm keeping an eye out on some of these rookie tight ends and Mike Kosicki's at the top of that list. Is volleyball going to become the new basketball in terms of tight end sport, mm-hmm. like taking athletes from that? It's going to be like, oh, this guy, this guy played volleyball. Look at how he boxes out and spikes it. I mean, you can tell that he was a, a player of other sports where jumping was widely necessary. Widely encouraged. The boy has like springs in his ankles when he goes up for the football. It is unreal. Yeah, and you mentioned—I mean, you mentioned both just how barren, or not, well, yeah, how barren the uh, tight end fantasy tight end field is, but also how the the uh, Dolphins don't have anyone else there at the position, and let's be honest, don't really have anyone else at the receiving position too. Now that they got rid of Jarvis Landry, so someone's got to be catching balls down there. I'll be interested to see what happens in in training camp and rookie camp with those two tight ends. Andrews is—I liked Andrews actually as the best tight end in the draft, and me too. I, I said he was like their new Dennis Pitta. And then Ozzy Newsom came out the day after the draft and he was like, this is our new Dennis Pitta. So I was like, oh yeah. That's <laughs> a, like, that's uh, a yeah it. <laughs> Ozzy, I'm taking your job. Yes. Um, Jordan, since we're, since we are touching on the Ravens quick, let's talk about Lamar Jackson. Uh, I, I love Lamar Jackson, especially from a fantasy um, perspective. I like that he fell all the way down to 32 um, cause I just love the chip on your shoulder quarterback that got drafted later in the first round than he was expecting. Not like the third or fourth round QB. Who's just happy to be there. Um, and we don't like I, those guys. Don't be happy to be there. Have a chip yeah. on your shoulder. Damn it. Act like you should have been a first rounder, even if you know you weren't. Um, I like that also to bring it back to the tight end argument, they grabbed two, uh, tight ends that could be potential security blankets if they do decide to move forward with Lamar Jackson and you know Joe Flacco doesn't continue to at least try I mean it seems like he got his contract after winning the Super Bowl and we never saw any sort of good form from him at all in the past few years um, so they might be looking to make a earlier push with Lamar Jackson than normally anticipated and if they do they got speed on the outside and at the quarterback position, they've got um, some good running backs that are still there. Alex Collins, he was a little bit of a, a revelation last year when he finally got to take over. But Kenneth Dixon is no slouch, too, if he comes back all the way from injury. So um, the weapons are there. I think when they signed RG3, they're already putting in some plays for a mobile quarterback. So they might be just willing to flip that entire offense over to Lamar Jackson. If if Joe Flacco sucks early on in the season or if Lamar Jackson just flat out beats him in training camp, because that's also very possible. 
Yep. And if you're in a developmental league or whatever you guys call them, a Devi league, um, he's he's a pick for sure because I think it's Joe Flacco's last or second to last year on his contract. So he's he's worth a flyer at some point, I think. I yeah, just. I think- I just picked him in my debut league at third overall. Oh, <laughs> of course you did, Jordan. <laughs> Granted, other other players were already picked from last year that were on um, development squads, but still third overall. Still third, totally worth. Very it. happy with it. Um, so I I really like this situation, and I'll just chime in quickly. I mean, Joe Flacco is an ankle sprain or getting the wind knocked out of him week <laughs> one. Away from getting Tom Savaged. He's done. Joe Flacco's career is over. I'm sorry. He's like, he won't win the job. Lamar Jackson's not going to win the job. Like, Joe Flacco's going to start week one. But if he goes out in the second quarter with, like, cramps, and then Lamar Jackson comes in and rushes for 80 yards and throws for two touchdowns, that's it, Joe. That's it. You're done, Joe. So, Joe, make sure you eat a lot of uh, bananas. Get that potassium. Be potassium rich before you play week one so you don't cramp up. Uh Final, my final, the last rookie landing spot. I couldn't go. I couldn't go an entire podcast without talking about the Patriots. So had to bring up Sony Michelle. Um, and I know Clark's going to scoff, scoff at me for bringing this up. But let me, let me, uh, let me share some facts with you, Clark, and all of our listeners who doubt me. Fact: Dion Lewis was RB twelve last year in fantasy, despite play, playing in the fantasy hellhole that is New England. Fact. Michelle is the most talented running back the Patriots have had since Kevin Falk. Fact, the Patriots saw what the Saints did last year and decided, yeah, let's do that. And add a couple of years to Brady. Michelle and Burkhead give the Patriots the same duo that the Saints have with Kamara and Ingram. Fact, James White is a wide receiver that comes out of the backfield. Deal with it. Fact, one of Jeremy Hill and Michael Gillisley will be cut by week one. Fact. I will overdraft Sony Michelle. So there you go. Those are all of my facts that you can't disagree with Clark because they're facts. Yeah. Sony Michelle's really good. I just good luck picking how that thing's going to turn out. You're going to have to invest a good pick on them. You know, there's going to be a Pete in your league that loves the Patriots and they're going to, there's going to be only going to be a workhorse. I, I draft with a bunch of my friends, all who live in Boston. Do you think we all underdraft Patriots players? Hell no. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm blown away by these facts. Quite there, frankly. Yeah, um, it's a real deal. The, the thing with Sony Michelle is, first of all, he has to stay healthy and you hope he does. But um, er, everything about him going into this draft, everyone was looking for the next Camara. Who's the next Alvin Camara? Who's going to be a superstar, you know, rushing the ball with big plays and catching the ball a little bit. Everyone pointed to Sony Michelle. So um, maybe he'll be that guy. But like like you guys have said, the the pit known as the New England Patriots in fantasy football, unless you're Rob Gronkowski, it's real. I mean, Sony Michelle could have 1,100 or 1,200 yards rushing, or you could have 400. You know, so it, it's it's so wacky what happens up there sometimes. Rex Burkhead could be a thousand yard rusher for all we know. It could be the 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 solace that I'm taking from it, and the reason why I've totally 100% talked myself onto this uh, hill, and I will die on it, is that I think that the Patriots. I don't think that the, like this wasn't by mistake, and I know that sounds so stupid because they spent a first round pick on him. Like you can't just like accidentally pick someone. Um, but I feel like the Gillisley pick, like the Gillisley signing and the Jeremy Hill signing, and the and the signings that running back that they've done in the past have all been kind of like. Hey, 
This guy has been wildly productive. Burkhead, too, wildly productive in a small little role. Let's keep him in that role and just exploit that uh, and run through it. Like, Gillisley, let's put him only at the goal line score touchdowns. Once he stopped doing that, they said, sorry, Gillisley, you're not getting the ball anymore. Let's uh, put Gillisley at the goal line and only in the first two weeks. Exactly. Go. And go. <laughs> uh, let's have everyone suddenly run to the waiver wire to add him and then do nothing. Um but with Sony Michelle, I just feel like Dan, you again, like the biggest thing for him is injury because he there's a lot of worry about his knees because I'm pretty sure there's no cartilage there, which is always kind of a good thing to have in your knees. Um, but I do think I think that the Patriots are I think they're going to try to take a more running back approach uh, with Brady, try to elongate his career however long he can, especially with the offensive line woes. That they might have, though Isaiah Wynn does address those uh, in my mind very nicely. Um, but I could just see, I think, a, a little more of a focus going to the run game, and in particularly a, some of that focus going on if he stays healthy, Sony Michelle and Sony Michelle being able to produce with the touches and carries that he's given. So, yeah, and he does give you the option with the personnel that they have. I I love Rex Burkhead and his versatility. I think it would be really cool to run. Uh, you know, a two-back set with Burkhead lining up as the fullback, and then you can motion Sony Michelle out into wide receiver and still have Burkhead as your lone right. setback. And that's a good, solid running back to have back there. It's not leaving Kyle Juszczyk in the backfield. So he is a very Patriots player in that he's versatile. And I'm glad you're excited, Pete, and I don't want to rain on your parade. It's just with those Patriots running backs, you're always worried about that, like – said something off color about avocado cheeseburgers and bill just sat him Didn't tell anyone. You, you got half of a point it's right there <laughs> and that's yeah. it Sony Michelle's gonna be on his tb12 game so <laughs> hopefully that helps him stay healthy he's gonna have that avocado ice cream and just be living it up down the road at the tb12 center and here's the thing to here's the other thing to watch with michelle besides the injury thing is if in rookie mini camp and training camp, you see Patriots coaches kind of talking about his pass blocking and saying stuff like, man, we need to get his pass blocking up. He's, he's really missing on pass blocking. That to me is an indicator that he might not see a ton of playing time as a rookie. So that that's, that's always something I try and keep an eye out on with, with rookie running backs is if they're getting criticized for the little things that get them off the field, Sometimes I, I hesitate on those guys in fantasy a little bit. Same thing with the Packers rookie running backs last year is Jamal Adams or no Jamal Williams, sorry, was getting all the attention in minicamp, not because he was the more prolific runner than Aaron Jones as a rookie, but because of his pass blocking skills. He was just more proficient in that area. Mm-hmm. Fantasy owners, before you draft, see who which rookie running backs are uh, good at pass blocking. There you go. Makes sense. Got to stay on the field to get them touches. Right, Clark? Yeah. Look at that excitement. He is so <laughs> pumped. Um, excellent. Well, there you go, you guys. A very productive uh, conversation about our favorite la- landing spots for rookies. Um, if you have your favorite landing spot for rookies, all million listeners that we have, yes, we are that popular. Uh, tweet us. Tweet at us at RB1 Podcast. Uh, make sure to follow and subscribe. We are on iTunes. And for those who do not like iTunes, we are also on Stitcher. Um, big, big thanks to Dan for coming on to the podcast. It was Come. great. Let, let's make sure to do it again after next year's draft for sure. 
Excellent. We're, we'll hold you to that. Uh, you can follow Dan at Mocking the Draft. You can follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark and Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith. And we will be back at you lovelies next week. Until then, peace.